Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Owner's Box and a brand new format. We've gone video. We've caught up with the times, Michelle. You. I don't like it already. You? What do you mean you don't like it? I Look at you. Like You're it. beautiful. People need to no. see you. You're wild. Why is it such a pain in the butt for you? I like, okay, so first of all, I have like super ADD, so I'm always doing something else. And That's so okay. then I just feel rude. Uh, and then like, I don't know, I a lot of times I come from the farm and I'm like dirty and sweaty and like covered in horse poop. And now I feel like that's probably not going to be appropriate. I'm still wearing my pajamas, but like I'm not great. covered in horse poop. I think today. this is real. And this is what people want to see. They want to see us talk. They want to see you use your hands. They want to see you get angry. Um, this is what they want. So we're trying a new Are thing. You for an actual soapbox when you get on your soapbox. That's I my should. Question. I should. I hope I don't have to do too much soapboxing this year in 2024, but Michelle, before we get started, and I know you want to talk about the Eclipse Awards, we have a very special guest today. Pat Cummings is going to join us. Uh, Pat, unfortunately, will not be on video, but he will uh, join us to talk about this new organization and the commissionership of Micropoli. I'm really looking forward to talking to Pat. So also, I want to add in our new format with, that you've mentioned the video, we're still going to be owner concentric, but maybe stepping outside the box a little bit. Billy wants to be a more provocative. Um, maybe, <laughs> Is that you the know, word? And, and provocative? Provocative, yeah. And instead of just, you know, the the <laughs> always fun, loving, happy, go lucky content that we bring, Billy maybe wants to dive a little bit deeper into the the things that are surrounding owners. I just I just think there's so much stuff out there that sometimes we've just glossed over. And listen, I don't want to become Mr. Controversial. I I don't need to do that. I have no interest in being that. But when we see a disqualification at Aqueduct that we saw that was all over social media, I'd like to be able to talk about it. And I'd like to be able to have candid discussions with people who actually know what's going on. Because I think I no one knew what was going on. That was the problem. That's the problem. And exactly. But it's also it, it gets me fired up because, you know, our world right now, the 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 politic, the how politicized it's become. Right. And I don't I kind of don't know if we had do we have something like that in horse racing where, uh, you know, people just don't want to talk about it. You see these, these, this feud, this that. And that's one of the reasons we're going to talk to Pat Cummings, but Rapoli versus uh, 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 Ray Pollock Pollock. and. And, and, and just what and, and just what's what's happening kind of in our industry. You know, I saw a tweet from my friend Bill Starkey that, that just says we don't have leadership in horse racing. And, you know, that that's hard to, when you see that you're kind of like you think about it. You're like, well, maybe he's right. You know, we have all these alphabet groups we have. But who's truly in power? Who is able to well, make no decisions? One, because we're all our own individual entity. That's always been the problem with racing is that we don't play nicely with each other right we don't want to give our tips and tricks and secrets to another track that might be able to leverage it against us and then take our horse population right so okay. it's like no one wants no one wants to work together i mean the right. i mean come on Tyson, it's like, okay all of a sudden we have to play by the same rules for the most part um right. But but you look at the look at the successful organizations. Look at uh, sporting organizations. Look at the NFL. You don't think there's competition between teams and how they go about their business. But at the same time, when they step on the field, they like you just said, they have to play by similar but rules. I think that's yeah, one. Yeah, but it's of different in the NFL too. We only have these like. 32 teams and they play the sure. set schedule, right? So it's no one's like fighting. They're not like, oh, no, I want you on this Thursday. And you're like, oh, well, I could go to you Thursday, but I also have this offer from NBC that's on Thursday. Like, it's not the same. It's, 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 it's a great point. And when, 
And and one of the things that, and we will talk about this down the road, I went to the uh, Graded Stakes Committee uh, meeting. I was an observer on that. There were a lot, there was a lot of talk about that. And I'm not at liberty to really discuss how that all works, to be well, honest. Well, Billy, what good is it if you didn't accept I think I signed some kind of NDA or I'm not really, but, but what but that I is, can that, is, that is put on by, by Toba, right? Yeah, it's, it's Toba Create, yes. Um, okay. I was an observer. I have to be an observer again next year. It was, um. It was a little bit disheartening from someone from California, and that's what I'll say. And if if you don't think that um, even you saw the results and how many uh, races were downgraded in in California, um, that's that seems to be a trend, and it, it's not a great trend. Uh, and and things California is not in a great position. And that's another thing I actually want to talk to Pat Cummings about when he joins us is you know, how California stays afloat. I mean, uh, Michelle, I'm in an allowance optional claiming race on Friday at Oakland and I'm in for the 50 and I'm running for $142,000. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, that's crazy. That it's great. It's great for us. It's great for the people at Oakland. It's great for people who run at Oakland and congratulations to them. But how, how is California going to compete when we're running that same race for 67,000, you know, how is it, how is it possible? I mean, how, what's to stop an owner who has especially some dirt horses to say, well, I'm going to go over there. Yeah. It's going to be tougher. Sure. It's going to be a full field, but still, still 142,000 versus 67. It makes it difficult. Yep. I agree. And that's the harsh reality. And that's Mm -hmm. the things that people, those are the things that people really aren't talking about that I, that when you say, I want to get on my soapbox more and talk more about stuff like that. I want to get people who are in the know. I want to have, um, you know, people from the Stronic group, people from Naira, people like Pat Cummings on the show to discuss some of these items that are really, really important to the future of horse racing. So, well, a lot of people have all these ideas or there's thoughts or there's like, this is what we have to do. But then I feel like there's never any movement on anything. Right. 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 I mean, that's that's what what it comes down to is there's never any movement. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. I don't know know um, how to get movement. What is your um, you wanted to talk about your. Uh, oh, the, the Eclipse, Eclipse Awards. Award. So yeah, yeah, instead of just instead of three things and no, just because I think that uh, the Eclipse Awards are obviously up and coming, and it's it would take a long time to go through them. I just thought we would go through kind of like our selections. Um, I didn't write it down. I wasn't prepared for this, but I that's can. Go, fine, go that's fine. So maybe it's at the top of your head. So that that can yeah. be like a you know who really sticks out to the forefront for you then, right? I have my um, Yeah. Okay. So two year old boy. Well, it has to be the 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 fierceness who won the right. Breeders' Cup Juvenile for Micropoli, ironically enough, right? Yes. And I also put Muth second, and then right. I put Big Evs third. Oh, yeah, the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint winner. Sprint winner, mm-hmm. yeah. We like that horse a lot. Um, two-year-old Billy, I think, is pretty locked up, right? That's yes. just FYI. Just, There's, just FYI, there's no, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Three-year-old male, I had a really hard time with. All right, actually. who are your choices between? Well, it's you could go Mage. Mage. You can go Archangelo. Yep. You can go go Rocket Ride. You oh, can go yeah. Arabian Night. Yep. You can go August Roden. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways. How do we say go. his name? Is it a August Roden or Augusta? Is it? Augusta? Well, it's August, right? Because it's not uh, at the end; it's an E. Right, Augusta. Maybe the E is like, uh, like, a, like a little, uh, I, I love the video because I could see your face like Billy, shut up. 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> don't make me laugh. That nice, that nice Valley Doyle horse. Um, so who would you who would you put as three year old male? Wow, without really looking at everything, uh, probably Archangelo. I mean, I put him probably. too. I just didn't. I just didn't love him, but he did win like two grade ones. Yeah, yeah. I he don't did. know. He did. So I it's put him here for that because there's a lot of actually good horses. And when this is another listen, going on my soapbox again, real quick. This is one of the issues that I have is that look at all these three year olds that were were good. They were competitive. Mm -hmm. Where where are they now? They're all going to stud. Mm -hmm. They're not running. And that's one of the issues, Michelle, when you and I growing up, well, I'm older, I'm much older than you. Um, it was amazing to see like two derby winners get together, like in the Breeders' Cup with um, yeah. Ferdinand and Alishiba, right? It was incredible when Affirmed ran against a Spectacular Bid and who ran against, you know, Excel, whoever it was. That was what made racing great is when these three-year-olds the next year got to run against these older horses, these four-year-olds who had just had the, their great careers, right? We mm -hmm. don't have that anymore. And I think that's really hurting the sport. So what, you know, I, I, well, I'll ask that to Because breeding comments. is such big money. And you make so much, when you, even if you're 100%. racing exclusively. I've at said Oklahoma, it on the show. Yeah, it's breeding, the breeding is killing. industry is running, is, is running and ruining the racing industry, right? Yeah. It's, it's just, it owns it. So. Yes, unfortunately. And, and, and by the way, I don't have necessarily a solution. I hate coming on without solutions. But Michelle, if you and I owned an amazing three-year-old that won a, a, a won the Travers and won, um, you know, second in the Kentucky Derby and was third in the Breeders' Cup, and someone came to you and me, just me and you, right? We don't have a. We're not rich. And there's At like least, here's thirty million bucks. So, yeah, here's thirty million dollars for your horse, mm -hmm. but it can't run anymore. Guess what? Right. Yeah. We do probably do the same thing. So is that is it hypocritical that we say that's an issue and then we say hey. What are we supposed to do? Well, look, it's hard to tell people like, oh, you can't, you can't breed them until they're four. You have five. You have to keep running them. And then like, if they get hurt or, you know what I mean? Right. Like you can't force people to do stuff. That's yeah, a great point. It's a great point. Um, and there, you know, you can't tell people who they do or do not have to breed to, right? We live in a very capitalistic society. So even like a horse, like, oh, McLean's music, he just won one start, but he's actually a pretty good sire. Really? Um, yeah, you know? So we would have, we would have been maybe remiss to, to not breed him. So I don't yeah. know. There's, I don't know what the answer is to that unless, and you can't do this again because of our capitalism society, but you yeah. know, a cap on stud fees, right? Each horse can only make 3 million a year. Well, well then maybe one of the things that Pulley's brought up and we'll, we'll talk to Pat Cummins about that is not, okay. not is just a stallion cap. So that's not very popular in Lexington. Kentucky or in other parts of the world. A breeding but, cap, like on how many mares they can breed or? Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, but still if like, okay, just say it's 300 mares just to give a crazy number. Okay. Right. If you're okay. saying it's 300 mares, well, Into Mischief is making 250 a pop. He's more valuable as a stallion than he is as a racehorse. Okay. If you're. Oh yeah. Here, you're gonna We're not making that land. argument. We're, not, we're talking apples and oranges here. Right. We're talking right. apples and oranges. So. All right. Uh, Three-year-old Philly. Give me my choices. Pretty mischievous. Yeah, she was good. Winner. Yeah. Um, randomized wet paint. Ooh, I really did like randomized. Maple I bet her in the Probably pretty mischievous, right? Maj. Um, yeah, I made it pretty mischievous because she did win a, a variety of distances. Yeah. And I felt like her cotillion was marred because of the track. 
Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, she did get the test because Maple Leaf Mel broke down. So that's kind of like the one asterisk. But I still thought that she performed so consistently all year. She was yeah. one of the most consistent horses around. And I love that sure. Brendan shipped her around places. So she was an easy lock for me. For sure. Okay. Older dirt male. All right. And this is the Cody Wish category. I mean, why, you have such, why do you have such a big smile on your face? I don't know. I'm smiling. Smiling is my favorite. I like to smile. Who, who are my choices? Cody's Wish, Elite White Power, Barrio. White of Barrio. Ooh, that White of Barrio is pretty good. Won the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah, but Cody's Wish won the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I would probably say Cody's Wish, right? I mean, I put Cody's Wish. I think that a lot of people put White of Barrio because he won the Classic. And then, but Cody's Wish, it would be I easier. I like White of Barrio quite a lot. True sprinter. You know what I mean? Yeah. But because he's not, he falls in this independent category where he then becomes to me an older male. Right. And I think his body of work was really good. Yeah, it was. They were all good. I mean, that's why it's the Clips Awards. Um, older dirt female, I think that was a no-brainer to idiomatic. Yes. And right? you can make a case for her for horse of the year, too, right? Yeah, I did actually. She was my third selection for horse yeah. of the year. Um, female sprinter. I, I'm going to be very controversial here. And I oh, actually, really? yeah, I actually put Echo Zulu on top, even though Ooh. she didn't get to the Breeders' Cup. She did she beat, beat Goodnight Olive in their yeah, own heads up match. And obviously, Goodnight Olive won the Breeders' Cup again, which was phenomenal. And, it, you know, all that was great. She beat three witches and usury. So, like, yeah. she didn't beat a horse of Echo Zulu's caliber yeah. in there. Um, so, I did put Echo Zulu on top. I like that. And I don't I like know if that. everyone's going to agree with that or not. I like it. Who cares who agrees with it? This is your yeah. ballot. That's true. Uh, and I put Maple Leaf Mel in third. That was nice. Um, male turf horse. Up to the mark, right? I no? put August Roden because he oh. beat up to the mark. Yes. But then I put up to the mark. So I, honestly, if it goes to up to the mark, he had his whole body of work stateside and he won what three three grade ones i think uh yeah. august Jordan won four group ones including our breeders cup and he beat up to the mark which to me makes him the better horse and he i agree with you I'll, I'll do that i'll do that i'll but, go with you but like if that. up to the mark won, i would not be unhappy yeah, like, I, like I mean august, i was a fan uh, of his though right uh okay. female turf horse there's so many good ones. I don't know who. Give me the give me the list in Italian. Uh, in Italian, we're like goddess. We're in the spiral, goddess. Maj, I love uh, in spiral. I'm sorry. I think in spiral. Anaset. Oh, Anaset was good too, but she's three. She yeah, but there's no three two grade ones. Uh, <laughs> I like I like in spiral. Yeah, I also put in spiral. Um, there you go. And I put the squirrel is like hanging from my window. That's so A weird. Squirrel. A little squirrel is like hanging from my window, like he's hanging down, like he's like checking out. <laughs> wow, that's um, crazy. I hate squirrels. Uh, yeah, and I put, I put in spiral on top, and I did use Anaset in my top three. That's not that's fair. She did win two great ones. She did. Uh, now steeplechase horse. I was so thrilled that David Argona has like gone out. And yeah, like, he went. He put a whole put, thing on. I have been asking the steeplechase association to do like <clears throat> bios. And I think we should do that for a lot of the categories that maybe have things like I was yeah. talking to Christina Blacker yesterday and I told her you should get this done. Like TVG should be doing little bios and all the apprentice writers. Right. Because we don't know them all. Right. Yeah. And when you look at you look at the wins, but the like the packet we get from the Eclipse Awards, it, ju it just has PPs and then it has like the list of like what are the Eclipse Awards by the in the in Miami this year? Um, are they after the Pegasus or? Oh, I don't know. Are you going to the Pegasus? 
Not that I know of. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I like that David did that. And I think the, still the steeplechase people should be doing that. Um, but I went with snap decision on top. And then I used. That's like that's like how you and I got this new format. Yeah. Snap decision. It was not. It was a long time talking about it. Owner, breeder, I think Godolphin uh, got both. Uh, I also put Klarovich for owner. And I put Stone Street second for breeder. For jockey, I put Irad, Pratt, and Gaffleone. Okay. Right? It's kind of a no-brainer. How about the Pratt? Apprentice, How about our huh? guy, Pratt? Yeah. It's so well. So proud of him. And then trainer. Oh, Mott. Right? Yeah. I got like, into a huge argument with Peter Lurie the other day because he was like, it's oh, gotta it's got to be, be Mott. He's like, Chad Brown, Brad Cox. I'm like, why? And he's like, well, they had the most money. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Bill Mott, like, Bill Mott yeah. has the two-year-old champion. He's going to have yeah. the dirt champion. He's going to have the sprint champion. Might He's have horse most of the likely going to have a horse of the year, right? He yeah, also he trained, look, he trained horses to win grade ones at two, three, five, six, and ten, because Channel Maker won a grade one this year. Yeah. He's got Casa Creed. Like, Love Mott. I mean, come on. How do you not? Love like, and, respect, Mott. Yes, yes. If you, like I said, it's an absolute travesty if Bill Mott does not win trainer this year yeah. uh right. and then horse horse of the year who'd you who do you think well what are the so it's between what it's cody's wish it's cody's wish it's white abario it's um idiomatic idiomatic up to the mark up to the mark well <clears throat> i need to look at the bodies of work more i you know it's hard to it's hard to take the breeders cup classic winner who has also won the that big prep um, and not give him any awards that White Abario, you know, it's like maybe I White Abario, maybe White Abario yeah. fits in the older dirt, and then you give Cody's Wish the um, horse of the year, something like that. It just seems like, seems like I you're mean, doing you, a disservice. but wouldn't that be weird for him not to win older yeah. male and then win horse of the year so that he doesn't yeah. get any other accolades? I don't and know, man. That's why I don't Elite vote. Power was the clear sprinter, Elite Power. Yeah, we had him too. He won the sprinter, right? He was the sprinter. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Who, who'd you give it to? Who'd you give it I to? Give I don't Cody's know. Wish. Cody's wish. I give it to Cody's wish. His overall body of work, I thought, was stronger than White Abario. Yeah, like, yeah he got beat once. I mean, didn't he? Yeah, by yeah. White Abario, but going mile and eighth, you know. Yeah. Like it's I still, I would go. I would struggle in both those categories with Cody's wish and White Abario. Cody's I also wish. put up uh, up to the mark and uh, idiomatic. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, those are my tops. And we don't know when the Eclipse Awards are. Should I look it up? Sure. I mean, they're going to be at the end of the month, for sure. Well, the, it, the Pegasus is the 27th, I believe. So I would imagine that it's around that time. Oh, it's got to be. Are you Googling? Uh, 25th. Yeah, the 25th. Oh, so it's going to be before the Pegasus. Yeah, before the Pegasus. Hmm. Okay. 25th. All right, so we um, let's get to our guest, huh? Yes, let's. What do we do with the, this new format with commercial reads and stuff? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Just I mean, uh, is it is our guest in the back room? No, he's no. not. All right. So do we just cut this off and then just bring let's it back? See, with my, the guest? Well, let's. I can just. Our. I mean, our <laughs> commercial is just going to be Santa Anita this week. So make okay, sure you it. come out to the Great Race Fest, which we normally do that at the end, right? So yeah. we can tell no, you everything that's upcoming this week. 
Yeah, but I I usually edit it and with the magic of my editing tools and put it I don't it know. In we'll have to figure that out. Well, why don't you read the ad so we just have it in there? Uh, we haven't been sent an ad yet. Yeah, he sent it. No, he didn't. No, he oh, didn't. Man. It said it said Santa Anita is the ad for this week. Oh. <laughs> but he didn't send All right, anything. Well, you know about it. Santa Anita. Why don't you just make it up? Yeah, so we've got Santa Anita back racing. We had a huge opening day. We actually had a fantastic crowd here on New Year's Eve as well, or New Year's Day, excuse me. Yeah, New Year's um, Day. We bring back racing for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this upcoming week. And we've got, um, do we have any stakes action on tap? I don't know about stakes oh, action. Yeah. But we're definitely giving away a golf umbrella. We've got the flight line pin and we are doing another opportunity. If you wanted one of those wall calendars and you were able to get out for opening day, we're going to be having the wall calendars back um, as long as they last. On Saturday, January 6th, we have the San Vicente stakes grade two, $200,000 for three-year-olds at seven eighths. Then on Sunday, January 7th, we have the San Inez stakes for grade three for fillies that are three years old, seven eighths, 100,000. Buckarooskies. Perfect. Mm, Let's get our guest. Who are you, Tommy DeVito? Uh, all right. Welcome back. Uh, took a little pause, brought in Pat Cummins from the NTA. Pat, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Great to be with you. Pat, with so much going on, ha have you done a bunch of these that I haven't seen yet, or is this your first official appearance? Uh, I've done a couple. Okay. Uh, and, and interestingly, as we're recording this, I think the TDN, I just talked to the folks at the TDN, the fine folks over there, and it, it just dropped. Literally oh, like oh. did you do the writer's ago. room? So we're gonna be I like, did. I did. Okay. Oh, and you're going to do say the same I thing. I did. There. Well, we're going to well, have good a little... news is you can, you can curse on our show. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. That was at the top really? of my list right. of, of <laughs> intended intended actions today. No, no. All right. Let, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, the NTA. And, and, and it's how it's, it's come to fruition. And I want to even go back to just say, you know, you were on the uh, Idea Foundation uh, with Craig Burnick. Uh, you worked there for several years. Um, I always thought those ideas that you brought forth were very interesting and, and, and thought provoking, but I didn't seem like it got anywhere. It doesn't seem like there was a lot of action. Would you agree with that? Is that fair? Yeah, it's tough to make change. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And we start. How do you start a think tank in horse racing when one has never existed? What is that? What does that look like? And it was some agreement and some consensus five and a half years ago um, of, OK, let's try to affect change in areas where people in the sport aren't changing. That's very. Yeah, I like. How that. do you do it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, kind of naturally, I'm a writer. And uh, so I, I thought, let's let's try and take some of these topics. We wanted we, we identified four main topics, four main areas of focus. Um, one was um, pricing, uh, pricing okay. of wagers yep. and Very uh, important. Then, uh, transparency and integrity and, and rulemaking and harmonization and engaging customers better. So uh, with that, we had product development, and then it was sort of, uh, you know, uh, access to information, data. Sure. sure. And our thoughts were, like, everyone at the time was focused on Lasix, right? Yeah. Lasix, 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 or no Lasix, no whatever. Yeah, um, whatever is right. And we're like, you know, there are other issues here, and yeah. uh, we needed to bring some oxygen to those, and... 
I got, um, we, we took the general ideas and we wrote a white paper on okay. a subtopic. So in the issue of, of pricing, we didn't just write, a, oh, pricing of, of wagers. That is, was the is penny off. break. Right. We wrote, we, we, we took a, another story and used it as a conduit to bring attention to the greater issue. So it was penny breakage. And then about transparency and rules harmonization and being better as a sport from an and integrity standpoint. That actually standpoint. got done. That, that got, got done. done. That got done. We got a law change. Really. We got a yeah, law change. Yeah, that was amazing. So then um, on the, the transparency and the, the harmonization of rules and, and just being better as a sport, we wrote about updating the interference rules and the Category 1 interference standard. Can, can you just give us a brief overview of Category 1 versus Category 2 and where we stand stateside? And then sure. we can just talk about what happened at Aqueduct. <laughs> we can talk <laughs> about that. Point. That's what people want to hear. We, 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 we can absolutely talk about that. Okay. Um, I would say the uh, Category uh, 2 standard, what we know today, mm -hmm. is basically the stewards are asked if a horse was cost a placing as a result of interference. And if that interference led to the horse finishing farther behind than the stewards thought the horse would have finished, then you can swap the placings as a result. Sure. Okay. Um, that often leads to some very unjust decisions, right? So, so you can, if, if we took category two rules as they exist today to their fullest kind of outrageous extent, if you said there's a four mile race and the horse that finishes uh, 22nd, the stewards believe could have been 21st, but three and a half miles prior to the finish, the winner brushed this horse that ended up finishing 21st, 22nd. Mm -hmm. And because of that interference a long way from the finish, we're going to make that demotion. The category right. two rules as it, as it is, I mean, that's pretty much a letter of the law demotion. We don't it have is. a lot of four-mile races. We don't. No, we he's don't. Giving, he's giving I you like an doing, example. Michelle. I get it. I'm just saying, yeah. So okay. Just look to the Kentucky but It's Derby. all subjective. That's what you're saying. Uh, there is, there's always subjectivity in the decisions the stewards make. It's just the degree to which they're interpreting the rule as it exists. So if the rule is, do I believe that this horse was cost the opportunity for a better placing. It doesn't say a better prize money placing, right. a better placing in the wagering payouts. It's just cost of placing. Mm -hmm. And if that placing is 17th instead of 16th, then I could say, yes, this horse has been cost 16th placing. And as a result, I can make the change. And that is the decision that was affirmed in or upheld in the 2019 Kentucky Derby. Okay. Where long range toddies jockey John Court, 17th place finisher, claimed foul against the winner. So yeah. we overturned the result of the Kentucky Derby because the 17th place finisher could have been 16th in the eyes of the stewards. Interesting. And that horse was not getting any more prize money. It wasn't <laughs> right. going to affect any well, wagers in any capacity. That was the came down, was yeah. long range toddy. Interesting. So, okay, so, then what's, so what is category one? Category one changes the rules. So it changes the consideration of what the stewards are looking at. So the, the question the stewards have to consider is if the interference had not occurred, would the horse that did suffer interference 
would that horse have finished ahead of the horse that caused the interference? So think of it this way. Yeah. You've got two horses coming down the stretch. Yeah. And this one is, 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 uh, it, it doesn't work well on the camera. <laughs> it's uh, this way. You gotta go this way. Yeah. So, um, the horse that's closing, or excuse yeah. me, the horse that may be fading is coming this way. And yeah. this horse is coming and is going to, you know, and looks like looks that like horse it. has the momentum, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but, but is interfered with and is aggrieved. If the stewards believe that had that interference not occurred, that this horse was going to go past, if the stewards believe that, um, and, and that's subjective, right? I'm saying I'm just going to look at the race. I'm going to see how sure. it goes and say, mm, that I think that horse was going by. Then the demotion can be made. Hmm. Um, but I feel like we have both of these things that you're saying right now, category one well, and category two. We have inconsistency. Yeah. Uh, there's only one state in America that has category one. That's Oklahoma. They have run hundreds of thoroughbred races over the last 16 months with it. And you have not missed the breaking news stories about how controversial thoroughbred racing in Oklahoma has gotten under category one. It really, we haven't, no. You uh, haven't missed it. We haven't missed that, have we? It's life has gone on. There right. have just been fewer demotions. Uh, there have been fewer changes in the, in the results they have changed the penalty structure for jockeys. And, you know, I was told, um, I was told this story and then it, it came out in a session at the uh, racing symposium in Arizona this year, where one of the, the stewards were called one night and somebody said, uh, it was just a patron, a, a better horse player, whatever yeah. calls them and says, Hey guys, why did you not take that horse down? And they said, well, sir, you know, we've changed the rules and, you know, we now do it this way. And, uh, it's been a couple months now. He's like, so so you're doing it like they do in, in England? Hmm. I said, well, yes, they they do operate with that same. I have no more questions. Have a nice day. Wow. <laughs> and it was over. That's you know, amazing. Was, yeah. That's so, so cool. Now, and, and listen, this is all important because in, in your new role at the NTA, and we're going to, we, we got to get to that because I have so many questions. Uh, but we had this crazy DQ at Aqueduct last week. Yeah. And that's what people, I mean, like I don't even. What'd you say? It was like three weeks ago now, wasn't it? I, every, I feel like it's still like lingering. Like oh, it's I, lingering, baby. It's lingering. <laughs> because I, I, I tell you what, Pat, you know me a little bit. Like I literally went on and I watched the head on. I watched anything I can find to try to figure out what actually happened. And I, I cannot figure it out. I, I, I was like, I wanted to try to take the, um, the view of why they DQ'd that horse. So I just concentrate on that they horse. Up. And I still... I still couldn't do it. I, I, I'm with you. Um, I don't know any group of three people who could have looked at that and come up with that same conclusion that brick ambush is the horse that should have been taken down there. Uh, right. the, the, the 12 horse. I, um, I would love to think they got it wrong, but then every time they were given an opportunity to essentially explain it, right. You know, four or five days later, you know, that they, they put out an, another statement about it and it's, Still, like I'm, I still can't believe they're defending. This. You can't, you can't, you can't uh, uh, argue it. You can't put a, you can't sue. You can't do anything. You can't file a claim. You can't do anything. It's yeah, just how come we? How come they weren't allowed to like say oh, we think this is wrong and needs to be relooked yeah, at? I, I, I was a little curious about that myself, and and I know I've looked into it, and I've I've spoken to some attorneys who have as well, and it, it is a little curious that that 
is not uh, appealable. Right. That was the um, word I was looking for. But regardless, uh, you know, under almost all circumstances, whether you're looking at category one or category two, 98% of worldwide stewards who look at that, maybe even more, are not going to make a change in that race that involves that unofficial second place finisher. Right. Right. So how did, I guess the question is though, so how did they get it so wrong and what is the harm? Can't, who is, whether it's Naira or the yeah. New York state wagering and uh, gambling committee, whatever that's called, the, can't someone come out and, and we had an incident in the NFL the other day, uh, yeah. the Detroit Lions against the, um, uh, the Cowboys that yep. night. Yep. Right. And there was this big, there's this big, thing and now people are coming out and they're saying this is and they're saying they're getting demoted um but like what is that one of the things that i guess the nta is going to could handle uh look we we can make that pivot uh at some point billy but i don't okay. i don't want to make that pivot just yet on this sure. particular point okay uh this i knew the nfl wasn't going to say anything the, the you know as it happened and they were probably going to let Sunday's games go right. as it was. But then you started to hear some reports that oh, they were going to get downgraded. Where do they get assigned this week? The Baltimore-Pittsburgh game, which while it's a nationally televised game, means nothing. it means nothing. Correct. You're Right. Infer, in, infer from that. Trust your instincts on that one. Yeah. Um, but the reality is. We care so much more for a couple of reasons. One is the exposure these games have, the popularity of the league, et cetera, and the wagering aspect of it. And all professional sports have gotten sharper, have gotten more descriptive, have gotten more transparent as uh, video has improved, as, as the quality of the imagery has improved, as the distribution of the product has improved as there are more viewers watching in more countries, in more perspectives, through more streaming platforms, and with more money on the line legally in a way that that money can then, you know, that can be shared in with the sure. league and players can 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 in some way, shape, or form, and, and the executives, uh, the, the teams themselves can benefit. They have improved. Yeah. I'm sure 40 years ago, there uh, was um, upheaval as injury reports evolved. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that teams would say, I don't want us to have to report that so-and-so has a leg issue. And this, this guy has all, a, all for the gambling. an arm, right. It's evolved. <clears throat> um, you know, to that extent, uh, there's probably plenty of American horsemen that would say, I don't want it known that my horse bled or that my horse was lame and it's off for what, um, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. uh, but they do that in Hong Kong, right? They do it everywhere. everywhere. Right. Okay. In South Africa, where they're running for less than California runs for in a race. We're going to talk about that later. Over the course of a day, they have voluminous stewards reports with all sorts of intricate detail. It's, I was over there in, um, I was over in South right. Africa in, in August and, or July, and it was, you know, they're doing some really top-notch things from being open and transparent to customers. And right. our sport doesn't have that. So yeah, is the what NTA going to be involved? In I guess, Pat, that's the question is, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of to have uh, – uh, you, you go back to the, the Naira incident the other day. Uh, what are we afraid of to have 
video cameras in there with microphones as they look through the race. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you want to see that? Like, why does it have to be so hidden? Certain places in the world have that. Others don't. Uh, certain places in the world have cameras on the scales. Michelle, I know, has been to Saudi. Uh, every race in Saudi where there is no betting, right. <laughs> okay, right. they've, got a, they've got a camera focused on every jockey getting on a set of digital scales, you know, so that you can see. And, and whereas we make every race official before a horse has ever touched a scale. Yeah. Or a, a jockey, rather, has ever touched a scale. It, it's um, it's a little mind-boggling. We we have had some some really poor decades of racing integrity infrastructure development. Interesting. You know, our 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 network has slowly <clears throat> degraded in that. I remember maybe thirty years ago, uh, as a teenager, watching races from Philadelphia Park, and uh, you know, the jockeys would weigh in at a little stand outside the winter circle or in the winter in the paddock and that race would not be official until the winning jockey got on the scale weighed in yeah. ticked the box tell the stewards yep guys we're clear and then it went and now in a turf race at california i saw the other day you know the horse barely touches the dirt track coming back from a turf race and they've paid off the race yeah. and and we had a fast official Isn't that, that what it's wrong. called fast yeah. official yeah Interesting. Interesting. Well, listen, all of this is, is wild. And, and uh, one of the I reasons just, before that yeah, we go jump ahead. into the whole NT thing, I, Pat, I feel like yeah, I followed you on social for a really long time. I feel like everybody trusts what you have to say. Like you, like people come to you for clarification. And when you give your word or your description, I don't see everyone pushing back. Like, no, that's not right or anything. How did you get to be such an authority and like a trustworthy figure? <laughs> so smart. How did you get to be such a genius, Pat? Well, I mean, yeah, but a lot of thank you, thank you, Michelle. Can't spread what they have to say and make people like them, right? It makes people hate them because they're like, "Well, I hate that you're smarter than me," right? So we don't I have don't to worry about like that, Michelle. That's one of the things. Anybody, and I feel like you've <clears> always remained really objective, but also giving a strong opinion, which is a complete paradox. I tr I try to be as straightforward uh, as I can with with some of those things and. I'm just a big believer in the rules mm -hmm. and, you know, reference the rules, direct people back to the rules uh, and, and just try to explain the situation as it exists. Uh, more recently, this hasn't always been the case, Michelle, but uh, in the last eight years or last five years, since I came back from Hong Kong, I, I had a tremendous experience over there. And I, as part of my role at the end of every race day, I was in the stewards room. Uh, watching them execute their duties, go through races with jockeys. Uh, everything pretty much gets sewn up on the race day there. So they're talking to jockeys and they're explaining decisions or suspensions and going over race replays with them right then and there. And I got to be a, a fly on the wall. And I was delivering that information to the, the media in Hong Kong, of which there is a substantial number of daily press that attend the races there. But I got exposed to this a little bit more and understanding the rules and the way in which the stewards operate. And I knew this had kind of happened internationally and wasn't happening in America. So I just try and point people to the rules and explain things very clearly. And five years ago, when I dove into this, I realized that state to state to state to state, they're all different. And, and that's they, one of the major they problems. They are uniform. Right. right? That's, that's a huge issue. Michelle and I talked about it actually before you came on. 
we I've always said this is it's not a level playing field and we brought sports into this a little bit Pat we talked about the NFL like can you imagine a baseball game that if you went to New York you used a smaller ball or giant gloves or first base was longer it just doesn't work you you're, you're playing a sport and the sport should be the same everywhere you go I completely agree um but there will always be those intricacies and and by gosh we saw it at Aqueduct uh, with three three individuals who believed one thing, and I think the the world. And I heard from international stewards who I know and have interacted with over the years, saying, "What is going on?" Like mm-hmm. you know, looking and at that, so, how did three people have that opinion? And I guess the question becomes on that is, who has the authority to actually do something? That's that was my question, and I think I think I saw yeah. that a little bit on social media. Like, who has the authority to say, "Hey guys, we need to re-review this," or who is it? And I think is that does that lead us to the NTA? Uh, look, we could get there, uh, and and I'm happy to make that pivot. But you know, uh, if you've been following uh, Mike Rapoli on Twitter uh, through at Rapoli Stable, particularly, I think that is that, that, that really is, Mike getting angry well, with everybody. It, it it Mike is a disruptor, and he knows that. Uh, and the engagement that it generates, you know, I kind of looked at his tweet uh, from the other day and it had, I think, 111 likes and it had 32,000 views. Yeah. And I thought there's a whole lot more people engaging with this that aren't doing anything with it by liking it or retweeting it or, sure. you know, right. but we're but sharing it and saying, maybe I don't agree with everything that's in here, but maybe I agree with this part or this part or something. in. And it's not just one tweet. It's there's, there's plenty of them that have been like that, but keep in mind that Mike wasn't really very active on Twitter individually through the Republic stable account until very recently. And Mike has grown increasingly frustrated. And I think the aqueduct situation is a microcosm of the state of affairs in American horse racing. You have three stewards, one from a commission, one Mm -hmm. from the track, one from the jockey club, who I don't think have a lot of experience in actually working together. They spend time in that stand together. I don't think there's a lot of working together. I think that a lot of stewards have, there are continuing education courses, but have we really been building up the oversight infrastructure in sport? Have we been building up racing officials? with continuing education and helping them evolve and learn more and share experiences, not just across states and provinces, but across international borders and across oceans um, to, to enliven the uh, lives and enrich the experience of the people that are working in the sport. I don't think we have. And that is just one little piece of a larger problem about how, racing in the United States has evolved in the last two decades plus. And it it isn't a real happy story. And so while there are plenty of people, ourselves included, Mike, absolutely, who are passionate about the sport, who have dedicated their lives to it, a combination of they like it, they want to be involved in it, they, 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 they love the horses, they love the lifestyle, they love the passion and they love being surrounded by something they like on a regular basis. There's no problem with those people. Okay. The passion is what we need. It's the systems, the infrastructure, the processes that need to evolve. And I don't think to a person, any of us could sit here and say, 
We've evolved. We've done that. We've made the changes we've needed to. We've evolved in the way that we should have. We've no. made the investments in infrastructure that we should have. Um, we haven't. And the National Thoroughbred Alliance, as we are laying a foundation for this organization, is not just going to step up and flip a switch and tomorrow unveil a grandmaster plan. Here's how we uh, will solve all our problems. It's not going to be that simple. Um, but I, I think we should all be, uh, there's a, a, a degree of excitement. It will vary depending on who pays your, um, who, who, who pays you, uh, how, how that uh, payment comes in, how you're compensated, um, where you go to work, um, whose, whose horses you train or what owners you train for, et cetera, et cetera, where you are in the business will have varying degrees of acceptance of it, but it's a very good thing that a highly successful billionaire entrepreneur like Mike Rapoli is as invested and passionate about horse racing as, as he is, and that he he wants to be in the mix to really help affect some change. Um, but his style is not uh, always in everyone. Yeah, it, it's not. Well, let me stop you there, Pat. Let me stop you there because you're talking to two Micropoli fans. He was on our show last year. He was incredible. I mean, yeah. really, I don't know if you've ever listened to the episode, but he was great. And he I will go right. back. I will. He's passionate. He has ideas. He's willing to affect change, all those kind of things. And I think for me, I've been in the sport a long, long time, like yourself. Um, so when I see things like him self-appointing himself as commissioner, is that I, I sometimes I have a hard time saying, is this real? Is he really doing this? Is he is it a wink? Is it like, do I go on Twitter right now and put a poll up between me and Mike Rapoli? And if I win, do I get to be commissioner now? Like, what is I mean, he what, put other people's names on there? I, I just don't, I, and I'm being I, listen, I'm winking, but I'm being honest here. I'm being actually, I, I want to know the truth. Like, what is happening? I think you can interpret it in a lot of different ways based on your own individual position. But there is something to be said for the fact that Mike can go on and say that and put that up. And some people will essentially salute and say, yes, Commissioner, sir, thank you. And others people laugh it off and others say, what a joke. And this is ridiculous. Um, it's engagement. I didn't say and any of those things, by the way. No, there are, I'm sure there are people who are saying it. Uh, some who, who are, are totally on board. But what does it say about our sport that Mike could so easily do that? Uh, and that we want try someone. To, we, want, yeah, we, want, we want someone to lead us. We're, we're, we're longing for leadership. It, it reminds me of that scene in the movie, The American President. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you recall it, but you know, <clears> basically <throat> Mike... Michael J. Fox's character, he's, he's working for the president of the United yeah. States, and he goes on this soliloquy about leadership. Incredible. And the concept is that you know people are so thirsty for leadership, they'll crawl through the desert in yeah. search of an oasis. And when they get to that oasis and they find no water, they'll drink the sand. That is how thirsty they are. Right. And it is the passionate people across horse racing who, who are longing for someone to take the sport by the scruff of the neck. It, it's not going to happen overnight. Change is not going to come easily. I, I alluded to this in some other remarks recently where I said uh, that you know, we, we've had some great conversations with people across racing 
um, in the last two months. Uh, some of them are my own individual ones. Some are Mike's individual. Some of them have been together. And you know, we're, we're, we exchange notes routinely about these conversations. And what it sort of comes down to is that there are so many things we all agree on. Yeah. Right. Uh, Start with if, those. <laughs> right. So there's for for 90 percent of the people, we will agree on 90 percent of the problems and 90 percent of the solutions. But when you talk to person A about a, a key issue in their silo or space, yeah, they become directly, they shut down. Right. They become uh, can't, self-serving. Can't do it. Selfish. Can't do that. Exactly. They, because and, no one wants to give a little bit. They can't give. It's, it's, it's greed. And it's the race that no one ever wins or loses. And so when you are dealt a loss so frequently in this business, far more than ordinary team sports or athletics, sure. right? When you lose as much as people in horse racing lose on a regular basis, you fight like heck outside the rails to claim any sort of victory you can, even if it's just a moral victory of, oh, I told Rapoli where to, to go with that or, or yeah, Mike, you go get him. I don't care what he's saying. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it, it becomes this battle outside of the rails um, when, you know, if you, if you're, if you're winning, say only 20% of the time, you're losing 80% of the time, man, you're doing great, right? <laughs> 80% yeah. losses in this sport are wonderful. Right. So uh, I think it drives us crazy and it's because we're passionate about the sport uh, and because things have not gone well. Right. There's that recent yeah. series in the Blood Horse magazine and uh, on the website about, yeah. uh, you know, talking to you know, a variety of industry stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's it's a good series. Uh, yep. I think it's it's generated a lot of, of interesting conversations. But you you get a snapshot into the mindset uh, of some folks who have been around in the sport for a very long time. And, yeah. you know. It's tough to ignore the metrics of where we are. Field size. Oh, people fear uh, change. Let's, we've said that. Full crops. Yeah. Uh, Look at all the changes. Yeah. Look at California. I mean, Pat, if, if nothing is done in the next, I'm going to call it two years, California will eventually, I think, be gone. Yeah. I think something has to be done. We were, I was talking to Michelle earlier in the show. And I was on the Graded Stakes Committee uh, meeting a couple of weeks ago. I was an observer. Happy to talk to you about that off the air. Uh, but California's in real trouble. There's the the purses. You you brought it up. The purses are non-competitive with the rest of the country. Are what we've done with um, with our, our vet practices, you know, and and our safety, which is amazing now. Our safety protocols. But until the rest of the country gets on board, it worse. We're on an island to begin with. We're on an even even deeper island and a shrinking island. So I hope, and I don't, I'm not asking you for those solutions right now, but I hope in the future in this NTA that you take a look because Californians, we're very strong at the sales. We have amazing uh, horsemen out here, whether it's Baffert and Sadler and, and Mark Glad and Phil D'Amato and, and Mike McCarthy. And the, it goes on and on with these hugely successful trainers and barns. But we are struggling. And if you can't see that and you know that the industry isn't out there helping, then then that's that's an issue. And I know that's my box, but it's an important box. Um, you also you have some amazing race tracks. 
amazing racetracks. I'm sorry um, for not saying that. You look, I, I um, was recently asked by John Cherwa from the LA Times, uh, who wrote a piece about this leading into uh, the opening of the Santa Anita meet. And, and I said, California has been so vital, elementally vital to the fabric of American horse racing. Perfectly. And correct. the thought that it could go away. And, and it, it may have even gotten lost a little bit in the story, but somebody recently said to me, like, where's the Ken Burns documentary or the Ken Burns style documentary on horse racing? Because it would be fascinating. Yeah. And the closest thing we've come to it is Seabiscuit. And what made Seabiscuit as a film so visually stunning so much of the time was, was California. Yeah, um, and and everything that that went on, and you know, there are still elements of that that are in place today, and it makes it a a wonderful place. Um, but the numbers cannot be ignored. The state of affairs is is it, it it's it's poor. Yeah. Um, there um, have been you know warning signs for a long time. Um, there were issues tied to you know. All of the tracks have yeah. faced some sort of financial threat, even those that we might realize are, are amongst the strongest. I mean, yep. the credit rating at Del Mar was downgraded to junk status a few years ago. And the report that the Fitch Ratings Agency wrote was so depressing. Right. Um, so we know that reality. Okay. Tack on, tack on, tack on the political reality too, right? That, that California as a referendum state um, – has uh, the chances to, you know, where, where political engagement and investment could could put racing on the ballot. That hangs over a lot of things as well. Sure. So um, what I would like to see is far greater urgency from the racetrack operators themselves yeah. to really change racing to make substantial adjustments to the way racing itself is organized. And I think you have to take By that, you mean like shorter race days, less time between posts. Are you talking about the actual race day organization or are you talking about something different? I think the way in which we organize the races themselves and how horses get into races needs to be reconsidered, right? You have to find a way to enliven the field size and the competitiveness of racing itself. I think the, the perfect uh, solution to this is a, is a rating system yep. and open races up up. in Arizona. Right. I saw, I saw a piece yep. on that. It was very interesting. It has to be opened up. Um, and basically you give a way to just basically put numbers on horses right. and say, here's a rating. You could yep. agree. You could disagree, but because you That's have that rating, rating you're eligible for this race. For these races. and right. It's not a condition. It's not a claiming price. It's not anything but a rating. And you just open up the world to what that potential is. And, and you could consume the Northern California operations with that a little more easily and say, if these horses are rated between, uh, you know, 30 and 15, this race is for horses that are 30 and 15, and maybe that's going to be a lot of old Golden Gate horses, what, sure. whatever it may be. The existing system is not working well in organizing racing day in and day out. So let me let me stop you there, Pat, because I think it's a it's an interesting idea. 
when an idea happens like that, that you just brought up, and I'm, I know we're going way over the time estimated, but this is completely enjoyable and interesting to us and I'm sure our audience. So we really appreciate coming on. How does an idea like that take Become shape reality? in reality? Yeah. That's my question. Who, yeah. who do I go? Who do I go to? I run a lot of horses. Do I go to Josh Rubenstein? Let's talk specifics. Do I go to Aiden at San Anita? Like what, what happens? I, Realistically, TOC? Uh, I, I think it needs to be uh, a nationwide effort where the tracks themselves get together and say, let's invest in a system that can uh, do this on an automatic fashion, automatic basis, algorithmically driven. Uh, and and let's let's work with people who know how to do it. Um, it. It is something that can be executed, but there is no greater impetus across America than California. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. The heart of all change in American racing should be coming from California because the, the pressure uh, is undoubtedly greater there than anywhere else. And um, it would be a, you know, a really bad situation if we saw California racing uh, go away. Um, is the rating system something that would be compatible as like a transition period with like an existing claiming system? Yeah, I look, no, no change, Michelle, I, I think should be completely wholesale. Um, you have to start slow. It's a campaign. You work, you integrate people into it. You do one or two races a day with this sort of thing. And, and you slowly work. Every race essentially becomes optional claiming, right? There's people that are, right. you know, Phasic Tipton is having uh, exclusively online sales now. There is an exclusive online sales company now uh, in Wanamaker's. You, you've, you've got all these different options that exist for ways in which, not to mention the private purchase and sale of horses that has always taken place. Right. So we don't have to organize racing the same way we always have. Um, look, that's like down a rabbit hole of, of one particular topic. If I could just pull it back to kind of the NTA focus. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've, I've said this in some other places too, like we need to be looking across the entirety of the sport. If, if you put eight pillars together of, of kind of what's important about racing, what are the different areas and the fiefdoms of the sport? We need to, 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 to be focused on, uh, finding achievable opportunities in racing, in aftercare, in the sales arena, in breeding, in wagering, in PR and marketing, in education, horseman support. How do we, how do we, um, how do we find a way such that if you're working with horses as a groom or a, um, a hot walker, or, or you, you get promoted to, to travel with horses, that your experience from track to track is at least on the backside consistent. Yeah. That does not happen. Yeah, I mean, that is terrible for the people who work with our horses on a routine basis. Right. We need to find ways to come up with kind of a nationwide set of basic standards that if you're shipping a horse from track A to track B, that my staff are going are, are gonna to have a similar experience um, in, in how they look after the horse and, and where they're based and what their living conditions are like. We know that's, that's not equal uh, we, we don't have that access for, for, for those who are really supporting our horsemen. We, we, we don't have a, a routine set of rules for the sales that are really properly enforced. We don't have licensing of agents, uh, which we probably should. Um, I, I, if you talk to most horsemen, I don't think the vast majority would, would agree that uh, working horses nine and two 
in March of their two-year-old season is probably the best thing for the longevity of their career. And yet it happens. And most people would probably look at it and say, oh, it's like we probably shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Um, so these sorts of convent, yeah, the, these That's conventions the, need to the change. same as keeping percentages for trainers and jockeys on all of our in for all of our data. Like it just makes people want to feed that more. Take away all the percentages, and it would be a little bit better. I feel like, mm. or or maybe explain them a little bit more, right? Um, better they, data. They are a number. It's kind of undeniable how many races one wins or loses, but it, you know, second place in Kentucky is not bad, right? <laughs> we're just talking, we're, I'm running an $142,000 allowance optional claiming yeah. race at Oakland on Friday. It's right. pretty insane. Yeah, we'll yeah. take second. You, you would walk away from that and say, I really I like to win races, but if I can't run first, I'll happily run second in this one. I don't know if you saw the video of the uh, of the Breeders' Cup turf, Pat, but there's a video of me screaming, just get fourth. <laughs> and uh, and I got you were fourth or fifth, were you? We were fourth. Oh. We were fourth. And and it, it's 200,000 for our partners. Yeah. And like, I got made fun of. They're like, look at this guy. And I'm like, yeah, that's what was going through my head. Just hold on for fourth. Like, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, anyway, truly. We, we have taken so much of your time. Seriously, we want to have you back on. In fact, I, I want to make you like a regular guest because there's so many topics that we could get into. And when something pops up, one of the things I wanted to do with the show this year is to have people like you come on. I want before we leave, yep. give us like the next six months of the NTA and and, and where it, it it's truly going or what the goals are in that time. Can we so, do that? Is that, fa- is that a fair question? Uh, it's a fair question. My answer might not be fair. Okay. Uh, in, in just that uh, we we are continuing this process of engagement uh, that started soon after the Breeders' Cup and has continued since. And things are evolving. I, I said this to the fine folks at TDN. If you were a fly on the wall and and knew some of the conversations that are going on in the background, it would be like, whoa, like really, wow, like that could be something. Good. So there is, there's a lot of exciting things that are getting discussed. And, you know, while again, uh, the style at which Mike has maybe engaged some people and some topics on Twitter doesn't necessarily resonate well with everyone. By gosh, we have gotten some things stirred up. And the conversations yeah. that are being had uh, in at least the last six years of my life in American racing, I, I have not heard them or seen them to the degree at which they have gotten most recently. So this is having a, a, an effect and a positive effect. We're still working, like I said, on structure. Uh, you know, the, the foundation is being laid. The bricks aren't being built, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and and. We don't know how big that concrete pad, so to speak, is going to be, but we're, we're working on that. And uh, that that's that's a work in progress. So for that reason, um, I'd be more than happy to come back as, as yeah, conditions like to come change. Back and, and do updates. I think this is a good forum for it. You know, Michelle and I are, are so passionate about the game and especially we're both in California. So we understand the urgency and what needs to be done. And, and uh I just I, I look forward to seeing more stuff and I hope people do take it. I, I think what Michelle was saying earlier um, about people taking you seriously, that was a great hire for Mike because they do. And maybe Mike's brash 
impetuous, these crazy, sometimes crazy tweets, uh, at least you can balance them and, and hopefully look, I think the bottom line is we're all saying the same thing. Something needs to change. Something needs to happen. And at least at, at the very least, whether it's right way or the wrong way, Mike is doing something about it. Yeah, I, I feel very confident that things are, are moving in the right direction. It doesn't always feel that way, right? Uh, particularly if we spend too much time uh, doom scrolling. Yes. But, um, it, uh, doom scrolling is I, bad. I do, I do feel like we are, are headed in that right, right, right path. And uh, not just because I, I find myself in the middle of it, um, but, but I, the conversations are real. Good. And they're different. And I would like to hope, uh, you know, part of the reason I took this role is because I, I really feel like it needs to be different. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're ready for that, that difference in American horse racing. And we want it to be there. And we want it to be as sustainable as, as it can, not just for the fine folks in California like yourselves, but, but for everybody in this country and, and the effect that we have on the world of racing. Sure. Uh, it, it is substantial. So uh, there's a lot there How, to offer. Yeah, no, no, it's been fantastic. How was our interview compared to the TDN writers? Room? Because we're often, we're very, well, very. We interrupted a lot less than you do. We do? Is that what happened? You what, do. What, what, I do. I interrupt. Yeah. All probably. the time. Well, I had to deal with Zoe, Michelle. So, oh, you know. Please. Did you I happen know. to see the picture of Burt Reynolds on her piano? I No, I did not. <laughs> no, so th th those guys are great. And, you know, when it's, when it's Bill and Randy and Zoe, you get a little bit of everything. Right. Yeah. You, you, you're, they're coming at it from, from different perspectives. And I, uh, I do appreciate that. And uh, look, we're um, uh, I think we're just getting started here. So okay. uh, I'm excited about it. I hope it's going to be a productive 2024 so that we can have a better 2025 and, and onward and uh, look forward to seeing you guys at the races. Absolutely. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate Thanks, guys. It. All, All right, right. Man. take it easy. Good luck with everything. That's Thanks. Pat Cummins here on the owner's box. Michelle, I mean, I, I, I was a, one of our longest interviews ever. I thought ever. there was a lot of information. I, uh, I could have gone through like a gazillion other questions too. No, no, me too. I just didn't want him to go on too long. I know he just did the writer's room too. So yeah. we'll have to get this up quickly so people can uh, hear our thoughts. Um, I, I didn't, I, I felt bad even bringing up the California thing, you know, I just, uh, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a passion of mine. And I know I said, you know, two years or something, but look, I think urgency is important. I think it, we need to be come up with new ideas, even whether well, it's the rating like system, or whatever rating it is. System, I, yeah. I've been opposed to it because we are majority a, a claiming barn, really. And I've been opposed right. to it. But it makes sense when you hear people say, oh, we don't want to water down the racing by having like lower claiming prices, which is what we need for horses like from Golden Gate to come. Yeah. Uh, really do need some more conditions but if you make it a rating system then there's no like set price so well there's so many things you can do you can do the rating system with a and a, like he said an optional claiming tag you could have auctions after the race they they do that in in uh, overseas i believe where it's like you know after the race you can you can bid on a horse whatever it is there, there's ways to do it i think we just have to be open and we just have to have the right channels and the right those paths to to have decision makers help us mm -hmm. right to, to, because that's where the question that's to me that's the hardest part is that you have with all due respect to delmar they're they're a great meet they have that eight weeks and they're very comfortable down there right we've said this before and i'll say it again but they 
they're not going to be so comfortable if there's no Santa Anita or if there's no Los Al or however that's going to work. Like it ain't going to be as comfortable as that little eight week meet is. Um, right. So everyone's got to get on the same page, especially in California. What was that face for? I missed it. Uh, my my old light just went and oh. fell. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and watching today. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you have any questions, email us, uh, Billy at Little Red Feather dot com michelle is at the michelle u on twitter at bklrf on twitter or x as we should say appreciate hopefully you'll like the new brand you'll like seeing michelle i know you won't like seeing me but we'll keep it fun i can't um, wait to put my hair in a ponytail thanks for to pat cummings for coming on today i thought that was very very just incredibly interesting and i hope i hope everybody appreciate it. michelle Leave your hair down. It's amazing. <laughs> we'll see you next I know, week. But I like to have it up. I on can't the owner's box. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.